0: another edition of chapters. My name is Jim Derrick and on today's program we are going to have a conversation with someone who has survived a traumatic medical event. Importantly she's learned not only how to survive but actually how to thrive in the face of seemingly insurmountable obstacles. It's a story of recovery, hope, resiliency, and courage and this story belongs to my kid sister I am really pleased to welcome to the show Jennifer Hurley welcome Jen
1: hello how are you
0: <laughs> I am I am great Jen and uh, today's okay. a day that I've actually been waiting for for a long time uh, wow. I've thought about asking you about uh, an interview for, for for many many years now ever since your uh, uh, this event that really changed your life and impacted mm-hmm. all of us as a family <laughs> Because not just because you're my sister, but first of all, as people will hear, because the story is so rich with lessons of um, of what it takes not just to survive, but to thrive and really grow into recovery. And we'll talk a lot more about that. And and also because, frankly, let's just be honest, I am extremely proud to be your brother. And um, and as I share with many people, uh, you have become a hero and um uh i'm not the only one that feels that way and and uh you know we're all we've all been watching you uh, Thank so let's you. let's dig in with your permission, Jen a little bit to your story. Um, you were diagnosed with something called an a v m about four and a half years ago is that right
1: It was actually three and a half years ago and
0: an a v m is a Mel uh formation of veins, correct, and it can happen right. anywhere in your body, right
1: yes, often it's in your brain, mm-hmm. but I never heard of it before before right. I had it. It's yeah. usually there um when you're born, so it's something that just it was formed, it was just not normal, um but we didn't know about it at all, right. and um I was just a normal kid, you know, yeah, and, to kind and,
0: of, and to kind of set the stage, I mean, you're, you're 53 years of age at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you already were blowing away anything I'd ever done physically, because you literally were, uh, were an athlete, uh, you were, you were kickboxing, you were running, you were doing just about mm-hmm. anything you could to push your body.
1: Right. And, and I was a, a normal person, like I wasn't doing crazy things. Um, like, you know, ultra marathons or anything, but I just loved fitness and I knew what it do, could do for you. So I was really into it.
0: You really took care of yourself. And the point I'm trying to make, Jen, is that I know in, in reading some of the notes from your story that that you had assumed that maybe your health outcomes were something that you might be able to control.
1: Oh, Sure. Mm-hmm. You found I was sure of it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then everything went south really yes. fast.
0: So you've got uh, three children, three adult children now. Um, and at the time, you're uh, you living a great life. Things seem to be on course. You're, you mm-hmm. got a place in the Cape. You got a wonderful husband um, mm-hmm. doing uh, well professionally and personally. So when you find out that you have this AVM or arterial venous malformation, what goes through your mind at the time?
1: Well, at first, before I even knew what it was, I could feel I could hear something like a muffled sound in my ears. So I thought, oh gosh, my hearing is not great. I think it's probably like a buildup of wax or something. So I said, let's go. I saw remember that I was making a, a appointment to see the ear doctor, the audiologist. But anyway, I went and they said, you know, I don't see anything. Let's have an MRI. And so we did. And um, so I had the results and I found out that um i had an avm
0: and i remember researching it with you um you called me and you you, you, we talked a little bit about it and and i remember you saying should i be worried about this even asking me i mean (laughs) as if i was qualified right (laughs) i'm about the least qualified person in the world but i remember having this conversation with you but you did the responsible thing you went out here we are in boston massachusetts right you go out to three physicians not just any Mm -hmm. doctors these are
1: experts. Brain, brain surgeons, yep. Go yep. out to
0: three of them that specialize in this and you get mm-hmm. three separate opinions that all tell you we should intervene, but it's no emergency.
1: That's right. Exactly. So I was very happy to hear that. I can be an anxious person, but I wasn't at the time because I didn't think it was a big deal. It was just a few days after that, after seeing all those doctors, that my head um, had other ideas that didn't <laughs> wait. It's it's it um, blew up. <laughs> yeah,
0: yes. Yeah, so no, an AVM is is. I think about it almost as a kink in a hose. Obviously, that's a problem. And so, for an unknown reason, driving down the road one day, taking yeah. Caroline. Of- to basketball. Tell us what happened.
1: It was a terrible headache, but nothing that you ever had before. Like I didn't usually have headaches. So I was driving. Imagine being in your, in the car. I was driving, which still freaks me out a little bit. And Caroline, poor Caroline and my good friend, Mary and her, daughter Amy were in the car and it happened um, it just it was kind of like I knew I was in really bad trouble um, I was knew it I was about to lose consciousness and um, it was a really hairy it really uh, different feeling like uh, wasn't a good feeling at all Because I knew I just lost my control, which I had had for my whole life. I felt like I had the control all the time. All of a sudden, I have no control. Mm -hmm. Really scary.
0: And physiologically, Jen, if if I can, I just want to describe to people what was happening. Um, Your blood, the AVM had ruptured and blood was rushing into your brain. That's Uh, right better known as a stroke um, in this mm-hmm. case. Right. And a very, very critical, very critical mm-hmm. situation. And you, your body was telling you the right thing. You were going into shock and into uh, the loss of consciousness, which mm-hmm. um, starts the next chapter of this of this story. Jen, I'm just curious. I've never asked you this before. Were you able to make the connection that, that it was the AVM in that moment?
1: Yeah, I feel like maybe in my, my mind I did. But at that time, it's almost like um, fighting a fire. Like you don't have time to think about anything except yourself. Right. And, you know, of course, everyone else in the car. And I'm happy to say that I was able to um, pull out over. I guess Caroline helped me pull over. So no one got hurt or injured, but they were able to get me to back to home. And then they called the ambulance then. Right. Mm -hmm. I want to
0: remind everybody, we're speaking with my sister, Jennifer Hurley. We're talking about uh, Jennifer's uh, surviving a really critical incident with an AVM that ruptured, which is uh, a malformation of of veins uh, in her brain. And then the really wonderful story that we're about to get into about not only surviving but learning how to thrive and live into recovery in just a very very unique way. My name's Jim Derrick. This is Chapters Radio. You can find my podcast at chaptersradio.com. And um, Jen uh, the the next uh, I remember the this this incident of course is emblazoned in my mind. I get a phone call Uh, that you've been rushed to the hospital. Um, I get in the car. Your husband is on the uh, West Coast, and um, I get up to Concord Hospital, and um, uh, you are in the emergency room and in critical condition, and it's snowing like crazy. I mean, everything's working against us here, Um, but you've lost consciousness, and you have no recollection of of any of this.
1: Exactly. I don't remember any of this. I did hear that there was a a med-, med flight that we're right. trying to have happen for me, yep. but it was snowing. So that's it didn't right. Happen. Yeah.
0: They attempted to med flight you instead. They took you in, in a life support ambulance, which is an ambulance on steroids. Um, it looks mm-hmm. like a tank. And I tried to follow it and, and they lost me. That's how fast they were going in the snow into Beth Israel hospital. We go and um, I can only describe from, for me it was the most, frightening experience of my life, not being able to catch up with my sister in the ambulance to help her um, to hold her hand, to do anything. It's a very, very helpless feeling. And then to find you at Beth Israel uh, in critical condition in the, in the emergency room was a really dark, dark moment. Um, And, you know, Jen, um, a lot of people wonder, like a lot of people ask, I'm sure you've been asked before, do you remember anything about any of this time?
1: Not at at all, although I have to tell you that I knew that people around me, I knew who would be there, and it was very comforting, right? That's a hard, hard word for me, but yes, um, it felt good to know they were there, but I'd have to say at that time, there wasn't a lot going on in my my brain. Mm -hmm. (laughs)
0: Like so many that have brain injuries of all sorts, uh, whether it be uh, traumatic brain injuries due to car accidents or strokes or whatnot, families uh, are then plunged into kind of this darkness, which is the unknown and the uncertain. And you Mm -hmm. find yourself uh, really hunkering down and relying on any tools that you bring to the table that you might've developed over time. And your husband, who I cannot imagine coming back from the West coast, and I know anybody hearing this can empathize with somebody who has to come back to find their spouse, uh, knowing that that she's in critical condition, and, and spend uh, six to eight hours in a plane and 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 catching cabs. And he walked into the hospital about five or six in the morning. During that medical coma, gen medically induced coma, you described the fact that, like you said, you had some awareness about your surroundings.
1: Yes, yes. I mean, I knew that. Um, Jim, I knew that you were there. Um, I imagined. I, I couldn't. It's a weird thing to try to explain, but I knew that my family was around me, and um, I felt. You know, it's funny because you describe that this is the worst part of it. For me, I was okay because I was in a, um, a coma and my brain was trying to reboot itself for, you know, for you guys, I think it was much harder for me. It was hard after this part.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think the awareness is a piece that I kind of want to settle in on for a second because you have a message that's so helpful for families and people that may have uh, either experienced this or have yet to experience it. And one Mm -hmm. of those messages is that uh, be aware that your loved one can
1: hear you. That's for sure. Yep. And um, just know that any prayers um, are – It's it's so important that part of it. The however you pray, it's so important. It's part of it. It's not just one. um, It's not just medical, but it's spiritual, and they work together. And I think the reason I'm here now is great because I had great doctors. But at the same time, just as important was the people that were praying for me Mm -hmm. and being with me, however that was.
0: And, you know, Jen, this starts what we've been talking about. This really starts the recovery phase for you Mm -hmm. And, and, and the lessons that you give. Because of your experience, and you're so gracious in sharing this, and I, I want to brag about my sister for a moment. Um, as you're going to hear, she's she's not only uh, survived, as I mentioned, she's thrived. She's also a public speaker. She's given addresses at 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 a uh, uh, both at uh, Spalding Rehab and a university. And the reason I bring that into the conversation now is that you are starting to develop the tools and develop the instincts that you're going to need for a long, long road of recovery, which continues today. But you're starting it in this medically induced coma when you realize that, that you are aware of what's going on around you and that prayer is an important part of what's going on here.
1: That's you know, right.
0: Enough consciousness to know that that's, that's going to be critical if you're going to make it.
1: That's right, for sure. Yeah, I think for my time at BI, I don't remember much mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. So okay. it really starts for me at yep. Spalding.
0: So uh, you were in Beth uh, Israel for
1: um, it was four weeks, so, and then it was six in um, Spalding.
0: You were transferred over to Spalding in Charlestown, and this is where the rubber really meets the road in terms of your recovery, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. What does
0: it feel like as you come to life over at Spalding, and you realize you've survived?
1: Right. So a few things I want to say. One Please. is that it's not, the, well, it's not like the movies. It's not like that all of a sudden you, you wake up and, hey, you know what's going on. It was very, for me anyway, it was a slow awakening. And so um, it was maybe after the few first week or two, i understood where i was i mean i was having a lot of like um i, I didn't know what was real and was wasn't real um so um, would
0: would it almost feel like a dreamlike state sometimes
1: exactly for sh- uh, sure and um some things were, were real like there's um a nurse that i know and he's he's real but it was just a strange time because i see him now when i go back and um and I, I at the time i thought i was at a hotel and they wouldn't let me go go home and you <laughs> did ask so a funny. number of
0: times to be moved out of the marriott yeah <laughs> You said you in fact one time I remember this is kind of funny i you, I just remembered this you put, you said, hey, Come here for a second and you and and you know speech was very labored for you, and you said, Do you think it's really appropriate that I'm at the Marriott right now?" Or should we talk to them about moving me? And I, I maybe hey,
1: to hey, the Ritz or something. <laughs> yeah, the,
0: right. Exactly.
1: So the medica-
0: <laughs> so the medication was still floating around in you too. I mean, this. I is guess it
1: was. Yeah, my, and my brain needed to wake up. You know, of and course. it's still like yeah, so like that. Yeah. So I mean, there
0: were there was some real, there was some laughter, and, and you oh, provided for sure. a little bit of that. But, well, here's
1: um, something. When I woke up, in, you know, in its its stages, right. But my humor is maybe even a little more pronounced now, and which is a great thing because things that I think are funny, I just laughed. And sometimes laughter is the best remedy you have, you know?
0: My sister went to, uh, entered into this, if you were to put it in comedic terms, she entered into it as Betty White and came out as Rosie (laughs) O'Donnell. <laughs> because one of the first words that you uh, that you uttered that I heard was was uh, one that probably can't be repeated on public radio, um, which of course was done in a in a state of frustration and everything else. But but right, you're well, humor yeah. The other thing
1: the- I've learned about brains that's very interesting is that your brain there's a, another place that it responds. To swear words, and that's why it just—it's um, very easy to say. They you can drop the f long really sure. easily. I would like to say also because we've been talking for a while, I have aphasia, and people might are—they're probably wondering why I sound a little different. And but I want them to know that. Everything's going on in my brain is just fine. It's just my delivery and how I, the way I sound, is different. But yeah. everything's going on just fine. So sometimes we'll they'll try when t- people see me, they'll say, "Oh, how are you?" You know, right. like what?
0: Speak up, honey. <laughs> she can't really understand much.
1: <laughs> right. Everything Maybe if can, we um, yell. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> right so it's um I just wanted to say that, and yeah. aphasia is something that a lot of people don 't have heard about before, but it affects so many people that had strokes, and um, we 're trying to get the word out there because aphasia um, it today or actually this month is um, the National Aphasia Month, um, and we're trying to to get the word out so people know what it is and how to help people that have aphasia because it's a very it makes you very alone in your in your um, head, you know, because you can't say everything you want to say. Some people can't even utter one thing, like cat or something something, uh, pretty simple. They can't get it out. And what I have, the way my aphasia is, there's another term, and I think it's called apraxia and aphasia. That's the two that I have. What's
0: apraxia? Right.
1: So that's different. That's how you... Form your words. And that's kind of the, my problem. Uh, most of my problem is my mouth doesn't know how to use my, I can't, it's it's like the cord has been ca- cut and you t- need to um, form other pathways so you can talk. Does that make sense?
0: It makes 100% sense. Okay. and. Your intellect is way intact. Your sense of humor is awesome. (laughs) And you're going to be an author. You're a public speaker. Um, There's so much going on there that I can only imagine literally i can only imagine the frustration in not being able to get some thoughts out so uh and and i should point out as jen mentioned earlier i've met some of her classmates from spalding and i've seen that has a spectrum so uh, jen may be at one uh part of the continuum and as she said there's some people that are literally locked without speech or with very very limited communication so this is aphasia um Awareness Month. And so we want to push this out and let people know, Jen, where can people get more information on aphasia? Um, Is there an aphasia group at Spaulding? Do you have any resources we could share with our listeners?
1: There are are so many. I'll um, post it for you if you would like.
0: on this podcast, if you go to the actual link and look down at the bottom, you will see links that Jennifer's provided uh, for aphasia along with ABM and, and anything else that she may, uh, including her contact information, if you want to reach out to Jen. Mm-hmm. or to remind everybody, we're speaking with my sister, Jennifer Hurley. We're talking about her her recovery from an AVM-induced stroke, uh, and we're talking about the resiliency that she's developed over time. My name's Jim Derrick. This is Chapters Radio. You can find my podcast at chaptersradio.com. And Jen, um, aphasia is is just one of the um, disabilities that you were left with. Um, That's right. What are some of the other uh, deficits that you had when you came out of your Uh, coma and then uh, that you still have today.
1: Sure. So it's changing. So the one thing I want to say is that um, they used to think that after a period of time, then you were done with any type of um, recovery. And I'll tell you, it's still happening now.
0: I heard all the time. I had another friend that had a stroke there's a plateau and that's all you're going to get. So what you're saying is that's not the case for you. Mm
1: -mm. And everyone's different. Every stroke is different. Every um, aphasia that, that if you have aphasia is a little different, It makes it very hard for um, the people that um, help us, but it's very interesting. And I so wish that I knew about, um, speech therapy because I bl- believe that I w- would have been a speech therapist because it's very interesting.
0: So, Jen, you have some other deficits, which included okay. uh, your ability to walk was impaired. Uh, right. Your, your, your right arm, I believe.
1: Yeah. So, um, so it's my right side. And I have... Um, I'm able to walk. So I I look at it as things that I can do instead of what I can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to love to run, but now I walk. And I'm hoping that someday I'll run again. But I, I'm noticing that I'm loving whatever I'm doing. I also have a, a bike that, and it's one of those three wheels, And it's um, really fast, my kids love to try it because it's uh, really fun. But I'm finding things that I can do. And um, so I'm not feeling as bad about it because um, I'm just replacing the things I I could do with that, that I can do now.
0: There are a couple of critical moments at Spaulding where you had to make a decision were you going to live into recovery, or were you going to hang it up? Can you talk a little bit about your mental state? Because it wasn't all flowers and sausages, as I said.
1: Not at all. So, um, yeah, it's really hard to go there, but um, I remember it very vividly that, um, Jim, you were there with me, and we were um, talking, um, uh, and it was probably my – Maybe third week there, um, maybe it's the second, but whatever. So I was really wondering if I could get better and how is it going to look? Mm-hmm. Um, is I am I going to walk again? You know, um, I didn't know if that was possible, but I knew it's going to take a lot of effort. And I used to think that you just did something like that. Now, really need to have, you need to, it's a, a gutsy move because there was a lot to do, but I really wanted to walk again. I knew that I I need, I love to run, but whatever I can do because my, My friends know that I'm kind of like one of those dogs that likes to run and can't stop. (laughs) I I just need to run, need to move, however that works. And so I'm so happy to know that I can walk because I don't know, it'd be really hard.
0: You really had a distinct choice to make and and it was Mm -hmm. very clear to you. And here's the thing. You thought at one point it might be easier for your family if, if you gave up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The minute you decided that you were going to survive and you were going to recover and you were going to give it everything you had, I watched you.
1: Mm-hmm. Your
0: entire spirit changed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you went from a sad and uncertain person to somebody who had purpose. I'm mm-hmm. not saying it was all easy, mm-hmm. but I watched you with grit, determination, and most importantly i'm going to say a smile and good humor it was infectious so you so you were creating an environment in which people were naturally happy and wanted to be around you which only caused you to recover even more and it just kept spiraling up and i'll never there were times when you i remember the first time you walked on your own i remember your first step mm. i remember you sitting up for the first time on your own. I remember all of these victories, which were monumental victories. These were, uh, you know, major moments in time. What you were really doing, in my opinion, was you were doing more than walking. You were doing more than sitting up for the first time. This is just my opinion. You were developing the knowledge within you that you are not only a survivor, but a thriver. That's you were right. starting to develop the knowledge that you were capable of anything. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you want to talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah. so And I have to shout out um, to Rebecca. Um, she was the person that was my PT. And she's the one that met me on the, um, the bed. I was in a – it was in the gym. It was like a little – gym when people are recovered Um, but she was there and just met my eyes that's all what she did was look at me and she said you're going to do this you're going to do it and she was so positive and she's still a good friend of mine and she um she has a a gift a gift and um I, I just love her I'll never forget her. And um, there are so many people at Spalding, they're just like that, that they, it's not just a job. They're meet, meeting you where you are and cheering you on. And um, it's a beautiful thing, I'll tell you. So it was not just me, but it was the surroundings that I was I was found in. Does that make sense?
0: It makes total sense. And and as I mentioned, you were helping create that with your great cheer and attitude. But Spaulding, if you haven't been into Spaulding in Charlestown, um, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you'd get a tour if you're interested. It is an incredible place. It's really remarkable. And Spaulding has been so important in your life that that you have continued uh, Mm -hmm. to volunteer there currently. Um, You you run a support group or you help facilitate a support group with Matthew. your
1: That's right. And And also also. I go, so that's um, upstairs where I was um, with a lot of brain injury people. And then I also work downstairs with people that have a stroke, stroke, Mm -hmm. and they're um, learning how to live with stroke. Mm -hmm. and um, I just absolutely love it and the thing that we give to these um, people that are there now we show them that it's not time to hang it up it's time to get back there and see what you can do and everyone has a different story but there's lots of promise in the world ahead, I always tell people, "You're never gonna go back." Because some pe- people will say, "Oh, Jen, I when are you gonna be back? You know, doing what?" Well, no one goes back, right? We all go. We always go forward, and um, you never know where you're gonna go. But um, if you just try and see where it goes.
0: So this, this to me is like one of the more important parts of this recovery story, because what mm-hmm. you just said there is applicable to everybody. We're all recovering from something at various mm-hmm. stages of our right. lives. Mm-hmm. We have tragedies, we have trauma in life, we lose people to illness, mm-hmm. we get sick ourselves, we, we have jobs that we get fired from, there's all sorts of problems um, that That's right. comes up in life. And what you just said to me, Jen, is
1: mm-hmm. such an
0: important lesson for all of us. The goal isn't to return to being the same. Who wants right. to do that, right? right. Who, would, mm-hmm. you, would you want back your ability to speak? Of course. I mean, there are certain obvious things, but, sure. but maybe there's a gift within all of that that we wouldn't have if we hadn't had some things taken away. So the question that's is, right. can it's we get like, into a recovery that includes and incorporates this new way of being?
1: That's right. And it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. Um, if you're able to see it, right? it makes you need time to see it sometimes but that's
0: that's the trick and you know what mm-hmm. you know the only way you can see it is with when people are honest with you I, I i gotta tell you there's so many moments of personal pride and and absolute awe uh, in witnessing your recovery but one of those was at your graduation so what happens is you get into a, a class if you will of people that are uh, in the brain injury area that are recovering from various disabilities and um
1: mostly for aphasia aphasia sorry mm-hmm. yeah, you're mm-hmm.
0: right aphasia, which is the uh difficulty aphasia is described again as
1: and um speaking hard to speak Difficulty in
0: speaking, word retrieval, um, word pronunciation, finding words, and, and effectively communicating. So here's this group of people, and Jennifer's graduating with this class uh, from, from her time at Spalding, and she gives a talk, and, uh, which was one of their assignments. They each give a talk. But one of the moments in your talk that really took my breath away was when you said, you know, I'm going to be honest with all of you. Some of this sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, yep, <laughs> you're not going to get back everything you lost. Let's just yep. be can Let's just be honest with this. It's really important, isn't it, Jen, to have people that tell you the truth?
1: Oh, sure. Yep. You have to do both, right? You need to have hope, and at the same time, you need to be able to say, you know what? If it doesn't go the way you want, maybe um, there's a new avenue, and you have to explore it. I'm.
0: I'm going to ask you this question. I'm curious. And would you trade where you are right now?
1: No, no, okay. I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. Because I am glad to be here now, um, because I've found so many friends that I ha- wouldn't know, and people from all kinds of places. So you know, where do you find someone that's um, from Nigeria or someone from um, inside Boston, but also someone who was from um, Maryland and some people from all over the um, world. There are so many people. So it's the people that I've met that make it so worth it. And it's opened me up to learning so much about um, people. For uh, uh, I'm so into interested now in meditation. What we do at um, the at the aphasia group, um, there's a center there, and we all come in and sometimes we talk of like the. Or the Red Sox. We'll talk about um, what's going on. Is the hockey go- doing well this year? Or we'll talk whatever we want to talk about. We talk about recipes. We talk about um, anything that will get our minds going and facilitate any type of speech. So most of the time, I'll talk about travel, um, anything like that. And they try to find things that we like to do. Um, and we, we work out together outside. We do um, uh, swimming. We, we do all kinds of things in the um, group so that um, we're able to move our bodies and move our my, our minds so that our we have the best chances to get our speech better.
0: This was essential activity for you for your recovery it was so oh, yeah. essential that something as simple that we used to take for granted as you going to an or restaurant and making an order of a grilled cheese sandwich was a yep. monumental day and incredibly important for you
1: it is, it is it was i went to um a place right near um spalding i went with my the recreational um, coach there um at spalding and they helped me tell, tell them what I want to eat and pay for it. Those are, I mean, things that I used to take for granted. Now it's, it's a lot to do in your mind, like making change and things that I wouldn't think would be hard, but it's a little tough but every day there's more to do. And for me, I love any kind of um, challenge. So for me, this has been a good thing.
0: You know, I'll tell you, I'm challenged every time my sister and I are in Florida together because she likes to walk, as you've heard, and she doesn't just, like everything she does, she doesn't do it halfway. You're liable to get into a five to six to seven mile walk with Jen. (laughs) and just try to keep up. The other great thing, Jen, is that this has taken our relationship to levels that I never dreamed possible back when I used to tease you and beat you up as a little kid or (laughs) vice versa. Um, But because of the person you are and because of the choices you made along the way, which were hard fought choices, Mm -hmm. you have opened yourself up to uh, and made yourself accessible to people and the stroke is that, just it 's just how you got here. You yeah. just got to this point in your life because of a stroke it 's it's, it's, it's a true gift. One of the gifts that you have is public speaking, and how ironic you get aphasia, the one thing that 's taken away, and said, "Hey, get an idea let 's try out speaking." So right
1: you- <laughs> I really enjoy it. I was um, asked to be a keynote speaker at mgh um it was their pinning day and i just loved all the to be part of it was really wonderful for me yeah but you know and they're so they understand sure they know what aphasia is they know what um how hard it is to get better and uh and my story, I felt, helped them to see how much they're going to help others um, in their career.
0: You know, one of the notes that I'm, sticks out at me in the page, no, pages of notes that you prepared was uh, that you let people know when you're speaking to survivors that mm-hmm. uh, they, they all want to know, am I going to get back what I've mm-hmm. lost? You know, and that's the first, of course, who, whose instinct wouldn't be that. Right. And how's my life going to look when I leave here? And the one thing that you're you're able to remind them in a soothing and calming way is Mm -hmm. that uh, life is moving forward, not backwards, is what you say in your words. And you encourage them to move forward. Mm -hmm. So the point isn't to lament. And you did it so beautifully when I asked you what your disabilities were. You said, no, I prefer to look at what my abilities are now and that's what your central message is. And it's the
1: way I feel. Yeah, yeah. that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um,
0: in addition to being a keynote speaker for Mass General Hospital, one of the leading hospitals in the world, you went off to be a commencement speaker at University of New Hampshire's occupational and physical therapy graduation.
1: Their OT, yes. I'm
0: sorry, their occupational therapy graduation. Um, well over four or 500 people there.
1: That's right. I just feel like it's a way to get heard and I have a lot to say, you know? Um, So if I can reach 500 people and their ears are open, um, that's a beautiful thing, you know? And the OTs, the PTs, the speech therapists, they need to know on the daily that they are making a huge difference. And it's not just a job, you know, it's something that um, they're, for me, they're my family, you know, they're part of us because they've done so much.
0: I'm wondering, was it helpful for you to hear from other people that have been through this?
1: You know what? I was so out of, my, my mind in some ways it was very hard to I was just trying to mm-hmm. live every day what about um,
0: along the way as you as you've been through yes. recovery is it helpful to meet people that have uh, maybe For are, sure. are a little further? when you're
1: ready yes like our friend
0: Astrid Henry. Astrid
1: she yeah. was wonderful she came in um and she had been there she she has an AVM, she understands. And talking with someone that really has, she's walked the walk, it's really important.
0: So, so Astrid, uh, you know, God bless you. We are so thankful that you're part of our family. That was tremendously helpful. And our other dear friend, my lifelong friend, David Fisher, who formed, had a different type of an injury, but had uh, and has had a long road of recovery and mm-hmm. happily is recovering from a significant brain injury, and he's now on the board of directors of Spalding. So I find that these stories of survival, and it's, it's part of why I love doing this program, is because um, it's not about the injury, and it's not about the disabilities. It's about mm-hmm. how people survive, thrive, and form resiliency, and what lessons we can all apply to whatever we're surviving from. And, um, and That's certainly right. Astrid, Astrid and Dave provided us with a good... Um, backdrop to form our thoughts around how you were going to going to make out and um Jen, you have a message that that um I want to give you a chance to to share yeah. about what so, you've and I,
1: I do want to say that um friends and family I hope they all understand how much we appreciate them because uh, I couldn't have done it on my own, and um, I thank God for all of them, so I just wanted to say that. Let's talk about um, that
0: for one second, Jen, if you would. Mm-hmm. The role of friends, and what oh. can friends do? So when you're you're compromised, I mean, yep. um, you, you have wonderful friends. Yes. But it's a difficult position for a friend to be in. They don't know what to do, what not to do? Are they gonna right. help, or are they gonna hurt? What lessons did you learn about the value of friendship?
1: Ah, oh, it's everything, it really is. Um, it's really hard, I know, for, for um, the family. Sometimes they want to, if there is a, like what I had, it was a big thing. And so we couldn't have com- people coming in for a while. And I think it was hard for my friends knowing that I was really in tough shape. They couldn't come, but um, I guess knowing, you know, talking with the the family and knowing when is the right time. But prayer always works, right? Um, but having my friends, they've ha- been there in the beginning but they're three years out they're still there i'm still in my book groups i love to read and i have one of them is very social so it's like a drinking group and a book group sometimes <laughs> <laughs> the other and here one, comes
0: rosie o'donnell
1: you got it <laughs> but you know what it, it's so great that sure. i'm still in the group i know sometimes i'm not able to reply it used to be much quicker in my speech and and my thoughts but they hang with me and yeah. i kind of love them and um my ch- church group same thing they're there for me all the time mm-hmm. so you know having in that- your 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 people it's really important
0: and I don't want to give people the impression that all you do is sit around and 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 um, or walk around or do whatever. Everything revolves around recovery and heavy subjects. No. we have had some a lot of fun, a lot of yep. fun along the way.
1: We're supposed to get a two together. Remember? That that
0: is correct, and that brings me to to a really important point. So when Jen, I was bargaining with God, and I said, you know what? If she can say anything to me, I'll promise her anything. If you'll just uh, open your eyes uh, and communicate with me, um, uh, I promise you uh, whatever you want, we'll do. And she said, great. She said, and one of the first things she said was tattoo. And it was the only word <laughs> she said other than the F-bomb. And I thought, okay, <laughs> so uh, what does she want a tattoo of chickens? And here's the great thing. Jen <laughs> has her chickens, and her chickens are her children. And That's
1: um, Ryan, Megan, yep. and Caroline. Ryan, Megan, yep. and Caroline. They are the best. I am going
0: to let you talk about them. You cannot over over uh, state the importance of the three of them.
1: Oh, my gosh. This. Well, they were there for the whole thing. They're still there now. Um, talking about, you know, you wonder how your family will do if something happened like this. You find out quick. And I can't tell you how much they mean f- to me. Um, I'll get, now I'll get sad, not sad, but um, emotional, because between my husband, Matthew, who is unbelievable how he's there for me all the time. Same with um, my kids. They've been there the whole time, and they're always Sometimes they say no, but that's because they know I can do it myself. And and they're trying to balance the that I'm a, the mom and they're the kids and Matthew's my husband. Sometimes that all changes because I'm acting like the kid or something. So but we every day is a new day and I'm so happy to have them in my life. I can't imagine anything else.
0: It's very much a family affair. There's a tone that was set early on by your children first, Mm -hmm. which was we're going to occupy the seats of hope. Mm
1: -hmm. And Mm
0: -hmm. then it's amazing, Jen, if you think about it from a, a movie standpoint, almost a script, it's amazing how then you took over the minute you had the ability to do that. That's
1: right. Cool. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. I've now made a decision basically get out of my way with a smile. Yep. <laughs> and then you yep. take over and so it's just weird being a brother who thinks of himself as a caretaker and all of a sudden he's being taken care of by the person who started the whole damn thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that is kind of funny, right? <laughs> which exists
0: to, which by the way exists to this day if I haven't uh made it clear There is no bounds to my love for my sister. And uh, she really is my hero. And I think anybody listening or that knows Jennifer more than understands why. Jen, you have a, um, a message that you wanted to share with people and you wanted to read because you wanted to make sure you got it all in.
1: I did, yeah, because it's hard sometimes. What I've learned is what I want to talk about. I've learned if you have an ABM, Don't leave the doctor's office until you have a plan. The AVM can rupture and don't let anyone tell you that it's going to stay there and it'll stay in place. What happened to me could happen to you. Family and friends made a huge difference in my outcome. When I was in the hospital, even in my worst moments, I could feel their presence, prayers, and positive thoughts. In life, things are going to happen to you that are out of your control, so focus on what you can control and change through this experience i have found my purpose in life and that is helping other people going through similar experiences to m- mine i am living a meaningful life our families our friends and all of kinds of people are watching they're seeing that it's possible that your life can change on a dime, and that's really scary and sucks. But there is a but. I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. I believe our task is to listen and be accountable to that summon. That's
0: really amazing, Jen. That was uh, really beautiful, and I, I want to thank you for coming on and sharing your story today,
1: Jimmy. Thank you so much.
0: And we will get those tattoos of the chickens.
1: Got it. I can promise right.
0: you that. So, if you want to reach <laughs> out to my sister uh, to ask her any question that you have, uh, reach out to her at mj 5 at Gmail dot com, and you can also find her on Facebook as well under Jennifer Hurley. So thank you for listening to chapters we will see you next week